Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me for another episode of School Nutrition Dietitian. The holiday season is a time that a lot of us think about what our purpose is. This episode, I originally thought would be more focused on building friendship outside of your standard circle, learning really to benefit from the richness of inclusion. But the episode grew into something even bigger than that. So if you are ready to contemplate whether or not you're walking in your purpose, and if you are in the mood to celebrate the beauty of the school nutrition community, you are going to love this episode. Here on a mission to show you fruits and vegetables can be super delicious. Eating healthy keeps you healthy on the inside. Keep your stomach satisfied and keep a clear mind. Now you're ready for your academics. Focus, time to handle business. Breakfast, you don't want to miss it. Help your body to replenish. Clean food, clear mind. That is the vision. Tune in to the school nutrition dietitian. This is fantastic. Oh, you better be glad. I love you. This is so. (laughs) I really appreciate you guys coming on. I'm so excited about this. I loved y'all's presentation. (laughs) I think that's been two years now. Yeah, this is our third. Isn't this our third year being together? No, it's our actually, we started off in. Atlanta. So this is oh, our I missed third that year being together. Yeah. Oh, exciting. Are you guys going to present together again this upcoming year? <laughs> Are we, Jeremy? It's TBD. Did you turn in a call for proposal? Absolutely, I did. No one should ever be denied Jeremy and Vanessa. But, you know, <laughs> That's I how I feel. I was going to spring it on you later. That's why I wanted you guys to come on. So my vision is for this to air in December when everybody's thinking about peace on earth. Okay. Um, Because I really thought y'all's presentation was great. It wasn't overly sappy. You know, sometimes when people are talking about everybody trying to get along, it seems really sentimental, but not practical. But when Vanessa explains that you can disagree with someone without being disrespectful and you can be close to someone without being a carbon copy of each other, it was just really practical, easy to understand. And it felt like people in the audience were getting it. And I maintained that the only thing that was missing was you two singing at the end. I know. singers. (laughs) We are, but we have not gotten to that yet. We will. Okay. Awesome. (laughs) So first things first, I wanted to hear about each of your backgrounds, how you came to culinary, and then how you ended up in school nutrition. You guys are school nutrition famous, so a lot of people already know this, but still. Oh, I like that term. I like that term, (laughs) school nutrition famous. So Jerry, you go first. Okay. Thanks, Vanessa. Well, I was hanging out in healthcare. So I lived in a small town at the time and they sent me off to culinary school because they were having some issues with their food service at the time. And so I went off to culinary school and then came back to my little hometown and cooked for a few years and then became a director. And after that, I was I was ready for a change and knew someone in school food. She was somebody I'd gone to church with when I went through culinary school. And I called her and she kind of put in a good word 
word for me at the, the district that was right by hers. And I just moved over. And at the time, chefs in schools were not really, they were just barely starting. You didn't hear about it very often. And I wasn't hired because, you know, as a chef, but really, you know, they liked that I had that culinary background and I was in a more progressive district. And I was hired as an assistant director really over operations and people. That was a great move. I loved coming to school food, being in that place where you can kind of help, you know, prevent things that I was seeing in nursing homes later on, you know, to be in that that part of life where you're really helping them form lifelong habits. And so having that culinary skill set to kind of be able to guide people as we began to make healthy food changes was certainly an asset later on. That's awesome. And I don't think that's very common because it seems like usually people who decide to get culinary training, that was already a passion for them. It was already on their radar before they entered the workforce. So had you ever considered it before the opportunity was brought? Okay. (laughs) I used to think, oh, because I had worked at that hospital off and on as a nurse's aide, like, you know, as my fallback career. And I can remember working the night shift thinking I would rather stay up all night long than have to drag myself out of bed at 430 in the morning to come cook food for people. Fast forward a couple of years later, that was me dragging my butt out of bed at 4.30 in the morning. I mean, I truly, when they approached me to go, I said, you've got to be kidding. I, I do toast and cereals. But when I got to culinary school and my professors said, you know, you're the kind of student we like because you don't come here with all this preconceived ideas and thinking you know everything, we can actually train you. I really had to approach it like a skill set. I'm sure Vanessa, I think she's probably much more naturally gifted at it. (laughs) My culinary is all about me learning the skill set, understanding the rules and being able to execute it. So that's really how I had to approach it in the first years of my being a chef. I mean, it becomes more natural as you go. But, you know, I was just a nurse's aide and was in the right place at the right time. And, And sometimes you have to take hold of those opportunities that seem crazy at the time. How do you know the difference between something that's just is crazy and outside of your wheelhouse and something that might be a good opportunity for you? Well, I think, you know, for me, when I, I asked the administrator at the time, I said, why, you know, actually I started, I think about a year later, why did you pick me? I had no, you know, skill set. And she said, but you had the right attitude. And so, you know, I knew that because of your personality and your attitude that you would be willing and humble enough really to just accept that and kind of start from the bottom and work your way up. I haven't always made the right decisions. I think sometimes I've done things that I thought would advance you know, to my next step. And it wasn't as successful as I thought it would be. I think just knowing that sometimes you're going to mess up, not be afraid of that. And I talk to my peers about it. I pray about it. I talk to my family about it and really get that input from others in my life. So I'm not just off on a tangent on my own, that this really is something that could fit me or help me advance to the next step. Yeah, that's really good advice. So what about you, Vanessa? So my path is a little different. I grew <laughs> up like food um, and cooking was our common thread. That was how we, it's just a, it's a part of my heritage, my legacy. My grandmother was a great cook, my great grandmother and my mother. Growing up, I was a preacher's kid. So we entertained every weekend and my mother had a Uh Uh-oh. Looks like Vanessa's been disconnected. Okay, so you said people think you guys go so far back. Yeah, so most people, if you'd see Vanessa and I when we, you know, give one of our talks or just when we're hanging out, you would think that we'd known each other for like 20 years. But honestly, we just met by chance at an LAC about four years ago. And we were going out to dinner to the same dinner. And it was a whole group of people from one state and Jeremy and Vanessa. (laughs) And so... (laughs) They all knew each other and we, you know, we didn't really know anybody. And so 
By the time we walked across the lobby, though, we were like best friends. And so that night we were seated by each other at this dinner. And honestly, from there, our friendship just took off. And, you know, we're a pretty unlikely pair, but when you when you meet us, but we have so much that is in common. And so you're like, yeah. after, like, she's a preacher's kid. I'm a preacher's kid. We have our faith in common. We have kind of our journey in culinary, though it's different. You know, that's kind of the approach that we take. And when we are in school districts, is really that culinary eye to that. Right. And, you know, we're both kind of people, you know, people persons. We like people. I like people. I mean, Vanessa can speak for herself, but <laughs> well, that, that's how I get my energy. And I, I just enjoy the opportunity to speak into someone's life, whether it's a student or it's a staff member or a colleague. Just having that opportunity to, you know, live life together while we're trying to do what's best for our students. So. Right. Was that something y'all could see right away? Because sometimes you meet someone and like right off the bat, you're like, oh, this is one of my people. Like, I know we're going to be friends. Or how long did it take to discover how much you actually do have in common? No, I think we, <laughs> it didn't take long for us. She truly, Vanessa for me was one of those people that I'm like, oh yeah, this is my kind of person right here. And, you know, I don't know how she felt about it, but you know, I think, yeah, there are those people that you're still kind of filling out, but really, honestly, by the end of the night, Vanessa and I were just, we had shared so many stories at our end of the table, because again, that that whole group of people that knew each other were kind of sitting together and we were at the same table, but we were just, you know, <laughs> of course, we were finding some humor in what was going on as well, but we just have both have a way of using our sense of humor to kind of diffuse issues or to lead with that. And so right away, we were already cutting up together and having a good time. And, you know, from there, I mean, we've really had some deep conversations. I showed up at an ANC and I was just a mess. I was literally a mess with some stuff going on in my life and personal life. And I grabbed her and another person and who was speaking. And so we were waiting for her to finish speaking. And then we just took over the room and we just stayed there for the next two hours working, you know, just talking about life, my life. Right. And people coming to clean the room were like, sorry, we need the room. You know, <laughs> so even though we see each other, you know, like two, three times a year, you know, of course we, you know, text and talk in between that, but it can be a month. It can be two months. And it's like, we pick up where we left off. And, and that's what I like about school nutrition is that you do get that family feeling. And it doesn't matter that you're from Georgia or you're from the East Coast or West Coast or from Colorado, that we all have that same vision of what we're trying to create, that we're, we all have that same commonality of helping feed the nation's children in this federal program. And so that binds us together, you know, sometimes in battle <laughs> when we're trying to have common sense regulations or other people that don't understand our business can pick on us sometimes. Uh, and a lot of times really just to lift each other up. And to yeah. really pat each other on the back when, you know, when she got elected to the board, I was ecstatic, you know, for her to have that opportunity. That's what I like about school nutrition. Yeah. It's and I have noticed that, <laughs> <laughs> that you guys, the whole field, it seems like people form really deep friendships, really deep relationships. And you see people running up to each other at meetings and hugging like their long lost family. And you might assume they've known each other for a long time, but it could have been short. But that's what's interesting when you connect over something that's related to your personal value system. Most people who work in school nutrition, they are deeply invested in taking care of the nation's children. And it 
is kind of part of their identity. Like maybe I know for me personally, I believe in equity. I want for people to have equal access and equal opportunities. What we do with those will be different, but I like the idea of helping children be on equal footing with their peers. So they have the same chance to learn. So it's definitely a good fit for mm-hmm. my personal value system. So I can see how that's an excellent foundation for a friendship that's really going to last and maybe be deeper than other friendships might be yeah it's a job with a cause and for me i have to have my you know if my job is just for money i I like money but that's only going to take me so far i've always stuck with jobs with a cause i've worked in healthcare. i've worked in in child nutrition i need something that's bigger than me that i can get like i'm giving back to my fellow man to my community and you know honestly i wish adults could we should all work in a lunchroom every day because, and have to play by those rules. Because just think about it, that uh, child nutrition program really is that culmination of everything. And we have all different ethnicities and backgrounds and genders and identities, and, and they all have to come to lunch in a school. And we don't have a separate lunchroom for you and a separate lunchroom for you over here. We all have to come to one spot and we have to get along because if not, they're going to flip the lights off or <laughs> need to be quiet. You know, I don't want to be too political, but that might work in Congress. I don't know. Maybe we just need to get them in a big lunchroom, a cafeteria. I don't know. It doesn't look like they all eat together in DC and it's like hot and miserable in those cafeterias and those old buildings that are poorly ventilated. I think it might be making things worse for them. They need a nice, cafeteria that's been like redecorated and has good AC. Maybe that they need our help is what, yeah. What I'm seeing. Yeah. I love the cafeteria. It brings the students together. Our staff in schools are the only people in that school that will see those students every day, whether they eat with them or not. I mean, particularly in elementary, they're all in there. They see them and they, and they truly see them. That's what I like about it. Those good cafeteria folks they truly understand and they know when something's wrong with a kid long before a principal will know or anybody else. Right. See them. Right. That's a good point. And not everybody realizes how essential their role is going to be coming into school nutrition. So did you have any clue how involved you would be in the operations of the school district when you took your first school nutrition job? Or was that something you discovered along the way? I was clueless when I showed up at District 11. So thank you, Rick Hughes, my first director, my mentor who put up with me. You know, I can remember asking my supervisors numerous times, now tell me about this reimbursable meal thing again. So, you know, I, having come from healthcare and having kind of one unit and 15, 20 staff, just wrapping your mind around this multi-unit machine that has to fire in all cylinders every day. And, you know, you can't delay lunch, you can't be five minutes late because the class continues. And so, yeah, that was something I really did have to learn that it's, there really is value into getting out into those schools on a routine basis. You know, no director can get to every school every week, depending on your operation, but really having some boots on the ground, whether that's through area supervisors or through assistant directors or the director, executive director, to just understand what's going on out there. And, you know, I think most of them do a good job with that. We can't make great decisions from our desk. Tempting. It's tempting because there's so much work at your desk. It's tempting not to go out there and see what's going on. Even in the dietitian's position, I didn't really think I needed to see exactly what everybody was doing. I believe whatever stories I was told on the phone, (laughs) 
yeah. and would, wouldn't always go, check, there's so much room for confusion over the phone. Yeah. Sometimes you really need to just go out and see what has the person on the other understood. And yeah. you can only do that in person. Now I'm doing more screen sharing for things that I want people to understand well, great, that yeah. have to do with our inventory management system. But for portion sizes, and there, there's just been a lot of miscommunications that would have been solved by a face-to-face visit. So now I know I, too, need to leave my desk. Yeah. Have I we got you back, Vanessa? Oh, my gosh. I'm not really back. Oh, okay. I'm, pre- I'm pretend back. Can you see me? I no, I can't see you. you. Okay. Is that the plan? So, so, no, 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 no. So I've been put in three different long rooms. Oh. And I'm just, I'm just going up and down. I'm just letting y'all know I am gonna get on this call, and it's just gonna take about two minutes for me to get this straight now. Okay, okay. I will too. So y'all sound like you're having a great time. So keep oh, talking, yeah. and I'll jump right back in and just. Okay. All right. Okay. Good. That sounds like an adventure going on over there. With all the traveling, I guess you have to learn to be flexible. So did you have to travel for work when you were working in healthcare? Oh, so for healthcare, I rarely traveled. Now, I did some because I was joined my associations. I recommend this. I don't care what segment you're working in. Find your association. Find your people because that has helped me tremendously. So in healthcare world, I was a dietary manager association at the time. And so I we had no functioning state chapter. So I joined, I asked Wyoming and they kind of adopted us and we restarted that chapter and I was its president. And then after that, I served on a national director at large position. So kind of like our regional directors in SNA. And then I had kind of five or six states in the West region that I was their liaison to. And so here's why I say associations help me so much. I've only had my bachelor's degree for two years. Oh, I wow. had an associates when I when I went off to culinary school, the hospital sent me to culinary school. I got my associates at the time. And then I didn't have the opportunity to go back until 18 years later. And so I was able to finish that uh, online and get my uh, BS in organizational leadership. But those were the things that being involved in association in the absence of having all the education that I wanted was to show that I had that leadership skill set, that I had served on boards at numerous organizations and, and just the leadership skills that come with being an officer in an organization. And so I was in such a rural area in, in healthcare that... I mean, there was one other dietary manager within the next hundred miles from me and she'd wow. been in 30 years and she wasn't really talking. So, you know, <laughs> so I had to find my people because I was, um, I was in over my head. And so yeah. the same thing happened in school nutrition. I immediately, just from the good experience I'd had in healthcare, immediately joined the SNA at the local and state level, because I knew that was going to be where I would make those connections and where I would get people that could help me learn the business. Right. I was the opposite. I was not impressed with previous professional organizations I've been part of. I won't name them, but SNA is really exceptional. And maybe there are other exceptional ones and I just haven't been a part of them, but they met and exceeded my expectations for professional development opportunities. And even their journal is better than what I was used to. More practical information, very timely information. It just really stands out as a resource for people who aren't just new, but anybody who's trying to keep up. Since things are always changing in school nutrition. Yeah. And the people are always changing, right? I mean, that's why it's hard with staff out in the kitchen because they turn over so much and and there's such a labor shortage right now of, of finding people that, you know, we really have to do anything we can to help them feel connected. And I think, you know, it's an investment. I get that. 
And it, that can be tough if your participation is not quite there. But I've always tried to make that a priority in my budgets is to make sure that we're paying. You know, I tried in Greeley when I was there. We moved when we did our move to scratch cooking. I just knew it was going to be important that we really bolster up our managers because I don't want them changing. It's a lot to learn and I didn't want to lose them. So we invested in them becoming level one certified and we paid for their membership. If you want people to see the bigger picture, we got to give them a chance to, to see it. Oh, that's really well said. That's, get them at least to the state level. But I love it when directors are able to take, you know, they say we're going to take X number of kitchen managers or kitchen staff per year or two because they need to see that. They've got to see it. And once they do, uh, they're going to buy into that and they're going to help your other staff buy into it. That sometimes they don't, you know, the director talks and they're used to hearing him or he or she talk, but they, you know, somebody beside you that does the same thing you do, tells yeah. you, sometimes you just hear it in a different way. And so that's true. How did you get people to buy into local association? Sometimes that seems to be a harder sell. Yeah. I think it is hard. And I think you really have to, and I'll say I haven't always been successful with that. It really takes a champion. You know, I, I, I equate that almost to like farm to school or doing a school garden, excuse me, a school garden in a school is successful if you have a teacher or somebody that wants to take ownership of it and do it. Right. Thing with your local association, because it is one more thing that we're trying to do. You know, you got to have those champions for it and, and really, you know, figure out you know, what's its function? I know of one school district that they kind of let theirs go by the wayside, but they put it back to really be the arm for employee recognition. There's so many restrictions on how we can recognize employees do fundraising. And they use those funds to help send people to conferences, to pay for a Christmas party or a holiday party if they want to have one. And you know, but also get their continuing education. And so I think that was a good idea of how to make that something that's practical, but also fun. Yeah, that's a really good idea. And that's really all we could come up with uh, because adults want to know what's in it for me. Yeah, Children will do things for the sake of doing it and small children. But once you get to a certain age, you're like, why am I doing this? What's in it for me? And so, yeah, we're like, we're going to give you stuff. (laughs) This is stuff for you down the line. So we have a sunshine fund that we put money into as we raise funds for local. And it was hard to find something that didn't go against our brand as the nutrition department. We didn't want to sell candy. We didn't want to sell treats or some people didn't want to sell treats. I didn't have a problem uh, with the treats being sold off campus at different events, but I do agree. It wasn't really on brand. So we are selling little self-contained plant things that I'm not explaining this well. It's basically like a <laughs> canvas bag. It's made out of recycled plastic. So I'm into that. It's all go. recycled and you get the soil. It's 20 bucks and like $10 of that is going to the funding. So it's a pretty good setup as far as how much we're getting off of every unit and yeah. no extra sugar. <laughs> that I like it. We sold, uh, we bought our supplier for restaurant equipment, extended their pricing to our association so that we could buy the quarter size and half size sheet pans and scoops. Oh, cool. We just made a flyer and sold that. We sold a ton of those one year because people love that stuff. You know, if they're making holiday cookies or whatever, 
they love having those bigger sheet pans and those scoops. I would want those for <laughs> testing at home even because yeah. I like for my recipes to be written for the correct size pan. There and you go. yeah, people don't yeah. write recipes that way. Good people idea. don't think about uh, people in commercial kitchens very often, it seems like. Since you have all that background in culinary, are mm. there resources that you know about as a culinary major that the rest of people at school nutrition aren't aware of. Where should we be looking for recipes written for large quantities for industrial kitchens that are sized for hotel pans and things like that? Well, you know, and I think honestly, USDA is getting better at that. So USDA hired a chef, Patrick Germont. He's housed in ICN. And I mean, that's a huge push right now. So I've gotten to be involved with some of that work as they develop culinary training. And part of that is also... I know that they're working on updating the USDA recipe database. Right. Uh, I have been working with Chef Am Foundation and they've got some good ones on there that I've been reviewing a little bit. So I like that one as a resource. I also, I'm a big fan because I came out of healthcare of Food for 50. Oh, uh, yeah. A, a textbook uh, out of, I think it's uh, K-State actually, Kansas State University. We uh, have like a million copies of that book. Hi, Vanessa. Hi. <laughs> Finally. You you got better lighting now. Look, you're I'm moving trying, on up. I'm trying to see. I can't even see what I look like, but okay. You look wonderful. You suite at this point. What now? I hope you have the presidential suite after all that. <laughs> I do not. But you know I'm going to work it. Uh, thank you for being so patient. I didn't want to miss this opportunity because Jeremy's been a part of committee days and he knows how hectic our schedule and how tight it is. I knew if I didn't get it in tonight that it would just be yeah. a, a long time coming. So I really, really wanted to do this and get it get it done because it's important to me. I think this is such a cool idea. Dahlia, mm -hmm. I am so excited about it. Jeremy is my brother friend. I can't explain our relationship. It's a gift. <laughs> Neither of us would have ever chosen each other or had anything to do with being chosen, but he is, I mean, he's just my brother. I don't know how else to say it. And we, we disagree. We, we see things differently. We handle things differently, but we have that same love for each other and for God. So I think that's what binds us together. Right. And how do you recognize? So Jeremy said right away, he could tell you guys were going to be friends. I, absolutely. Could um, you tell? <clears throat> The first time that I saw Jer, I think that he reminded me, have you ever met someone and you, you know, you know, him, but you don't know. Him? <laughs> yes. Um, yes. He reminded me of someone I knew or someone that should be in my life or some. He was very familiar. It was easy for me to be me with Jeremy, if that makes sense. And I am a big, big, big red personality. And sometimes I'm a little much for people. I, I burn them before they get to know me. And uh, he and I met under precarious uh, circumstances and people were acting all bananas. And I just said, hey, he a big old tall white guy. I feel safe. Let's go. Listen, come on. Let's go. I'm with you. I'm not with all these people. And so, yeah, yeah. Cause he was, he, we were picking at people really. The, the preacher and the preacher's kid were picking at people and making fun of folks because they were just being unseemly because of spirits. And, uh, and I just, they were using, they were using alcohol as an excuse to be absolute idiots. And I just thought who invited me to this and why am I here? And this is crazy. And, uh, he was, you know, we, both had a cocktail, but we were not like indulging like that. And we started talking and then we pick at people and then we talk and I said, are you ready to go? And he was like, yeah, I was like, I'm home with you. So we were uh, fast friends. He, he was never able to shake me after that. Oh, come on. <laughs> Do you both have siblings? Um, I have three brothers. Are you the youngest or 
I am the only girl and I am right. I'm right at the bottom. My baby brother says he was born out of order. So, you know, they treat me like the baby, but no, I'm the new baby. And what about you? I just have one brother. He's four years older than me. He's a baby. I'm the baby. Oh, okay. I just wondered if that was helping with no, no, I think, I think it's our love for people. Jeremy and I really love people and want the best for them. And we want to help them be the best versions of themselves. And we kind of, We kind of act like a fluid glue, if that makes any sense. When people are um, in pieces or they're they're trying to find who they are, he and I have this innate gift, but we do it in different ways. It's very different the way we do it, but we both kind of help usher them to where they're supposed to be without them knowing that we're helping them with their journey because some of them don't understand that they are our assignments and we take it very seriously. And then we become each other's assignments. You know, we talk to each other, we uplift each other, we, we balance things off of each other. And it was like, well, let me get your opinion on this. And I, I think it's a unique thing that needs to be shown, not just in our association, but in our world that you can be from two different places with two different types of backgrounds with two different, we're as polar opposites as we look. We're male, female, black, white. He uh, has been married since he was a child. I've been divorced for, you know, since I was almost a child. <laughs> you know, I have one child. He has all these other children. I didn't want my child and he adopted children. You know, we're as polar opposite as two people can be, but we have so many similarities. If you just look at the external stuff and the stuff that's tangible, we look like we we should never even connect. But because of a wonderful association like we have, a wonderful world that we have, Jeremy and I were able to be ourselves with each other and, and pull from each other as a resource. I, I heard him tell his story of called to go to chef school and I told you it was totally different for me, everything went with food at my house and how I was raised and good cooking and good food is how we had great conversations and how we found out about each other and how we connected about things. And I can't picture my life without food. And he wants to do it structuredly. And I'm totally opposite. I cook when I'm happy, when I'm sad, when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm anxious. I cook and I like to just pile stuff in and experiment and try things and layer flavors and make people taste and talk to me. And I think that shows again how we're so different, how he learned the structure. I went to chef school as well. After college, though, I did it backwards. I went to undergraduate school and then I went to culinary school. And my dad was like, why are you spending that kind of money? You already know how to cook. That's ridiculous. I'm not supporting you. But my mother supported me in knowing that that was part of my journey. I wanted to be, I wanted to answer this thing that was inside of me. I was a little girl that always put flowers on the table and wanted to fold napkins and could make stuff look like a magazine when I would put it on a plate without formal training. And I wanted that to validate me as, you know, black females were unheard of as chef. I started off as a grunt working under my mentor. He he recalls how big of a workhorse I was. He said, I just never seen a woman work and lift and move. And because I grew up with men and I know that you can't talk to them, you have to prove it to them. So I didn't let anybody grab my 50 pound bags of potatoes. I didn't let anybody unload my carts. And I lifted and moved and pulled and drug everything to prove to them I am just as strong and capable as you. And so cooking school for me was more about me proving to people that I had the gift because I had the gift of cooking and culinary arts is my expression through food. It's who I am. It's I tell them all the time, I said, I could marry a millionaire if I had a stove when I met him. He would be in love with me instantly. (laughs) 
But since I don't travel with a stove, you know, I keep missing my opportunities. But anyway, um, but cooking is my is my love. It's my life. And it's frustrating sometimes to be in this field when people know nothing about cooking. They know nothing about food and flavors and and the passion behind it and having some type of this is my brand. This is what it looks like. You know, Chef V is here because that's her signature. This is how it looks. There's no pride in how we plate and present and cook and engage. It's a dance. It's an art. And I tell them when I connected with my students, they look forward to the show. They couldn't wait to come in and see Shafi and what she was going to do. And our people have not gotten that piece. So I think Jeremy and I try to mirror that at conference. It's a dance. It's a show. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be something you love. If you feel like you're stuck, if you feel like, you know, it's work, it's hard, you regret it, you don't like going to work every day, you're in the wrong profession. You should not be there because that's not what it's about. It's about that energy. I want to be a conduit to people to understand, to plug into me. I want them to actually get high from being around me or say, she is too much. It's too much energy. I can't be here. I got to leave. Yeah. It's too much. And, yeah, and I think that's that. Yeah, they do. They're like, oh my God, are you always like this? And I'm like, well, like what? What are you talking about? And when we're down and when we don't want to see people and when we want to turn off, we find those places. I'll say, hey, Jeremy, just meet me up in the concierge lounge. I don't want to be around people. And we just have our conversations and we fill each other's tanks. So it's amazing that you can see what our gift is because we try to explain it to people and they really think we're putting on. I may talk to Jeremy maybe five times a year, maybe Jeremy five or six times a year, maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe. I think but, we see each other two to three times and we'll talk a few times between. So, yeah. And, and, and then when we see each other at conference, you would think that we talk every single day, yeah. that we knew what we had for supper and what the kids are doing. None of that. I feel like I know his family because he talks about his kids and his, his wife and, you know, his family is his love. And I love a godly man who loves their family. And that reminds me so much of some of the traits of my father. Because he loved his family and he loved God and he was sacrificial, you know, and Jeremy is so sacrificial for his family, even when it comes to what he desires and what he wants. And I just stand in awe of him and and I'm excited to call him my brother. I don't call him my friend because we're so far past that. We're so far past being friends. We are we are kindred spirits. And I just don't know how I could do life without Jeremy because he is just that amazing. No, uh, that's, that's I'm serious. the same way about my sister Vanessa. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Take your cue. You're gonna make me cry. That's but I mean, right. he is just—he is just a, a phenomenal guy who happens to be in this line of work. And even with you, Dahlia, when I met you, I just uh, totally connected to you immediately because I saw young and energetic and different and. What is this thing called? Yes. What is this thing called school nutrition? Why should I be a part of this? And how can I put my spin on it? And traditional is not enough for me. So that's why you're kind of attracted to our lights is because you too, dear, are different. And you have your own path. You have your own path. I love, you don't know how much it means to be told that I, it makes sense that I would see your light and that not everybody can see it. That makes it makes very special. Well, good. You should, <laughs> you should. Jeremy and I don't, you know, let everybody into our, our little circle here because it, it is special. We have to guard it. 
Yeah. You know, and everybody wants the benefits of a relationship like Jeremy and, and I, I have, but they don't want the responsibility of it because it's not always fun. Um, we have to talk to each other and have hard conversations with each other about our decisions and our careers and the people that we're with and our families. And I mean, we have hard conversations, but because we respect the love that we have for each other. I trust Jeremy with me. He trusts me with him. Right. And that is the balance. And people don't want that. They want all the fun and they want all the benefits right. and they want all of the perks. But when it comes down to the responsibility of that relationship, that's too much. You know, yeah. that's none of your business. You shouldn't. Do, and that's totally different. That's not who we are. And I really want us to model that throughout the country. I want people to see awesome relationships with the burden of responsibility attached to them, that we just don't leave people where they are. And we just don't not have the conversations. We are better if we're taught, if we're spoken to and not spoken about. Nothing's yes. going to change in my behavior if you don't have the courage to talk to me right. and, and, and understand why I'm doing what I'm doing and then be there to support me, even if you don't agree with me. And that is something that needs to be modeled because right now in our universe, it's like, if I don't agree with you and if I don't look like you and if I don't like you, then I don't have to have anything to do with you. I'm going to cut yeah. you off. Yeah, you're canceled. So sad because yeah. you miss out on some great gifts. There's some it's such an intolerance and, you know, it just feels that way that you're exactly right, Vanessa, that people are just siloed up and they're only going to be with the people that agree and can fit into that world that they've created. Wow. And you know, one of the things that I, I love, Vanessa will tell you this, whoever you are, when you come to conference, quit hanging out with people you know. Absolutely. I mean, Absolutely. Now, can you can you have a security blanket person that you take around as you meet no, new people? No, 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 no. Because we're all one big family. Why do you need a Why do you need a blanket? You don't. I guess you don't. You don't. I guess. You and don't. my thing is, if you want to go in and kind of like vent later with them, you meet up like Jeremy and I say. Well, we'll have to see each other later. I can't see you. Get to know someone new. You miss out on such spectacular people who are doing amazing things. I hate when directors hurt together and make them all oh, go to the yeah. same session they go to and sit together and do that. I hate that because what's the point? What's the point of coming to a conference to new to learn and, and build relationships if you're gonna stay with the same people? If you're gonna stay with the hurt. That is true. Yeah. Well, since I'm not an extrovert, I can handle small groups. So when I go to the pre-con sessions, I need a lot of people. Well, I need everybody at my table. Right. <laughs> and I go to those, <laughs> I go to those by myself. And I meet a lot less. The bigger the room gets, the less people I'm probably going to meet. And then I worry that I'll talk to the one person who's not nice. Uh, well, it, so what's wrong with talking to people that are not nice? I don't know. How do you manage that? How do you know that that has nothing to do with you? Like, how do you understand that? And when did you get to the point that you knew how someone responds to you? It's not personal. Okay. So you've always been in your skin your entire life. Okay. And you have met tons of people who just summed you up by the way you wear your hair by the color of your skin, by your gender, by your voice tone, by your size, by your height. That has nothing to do with you. You didn't stand in line and say, God, make me a brown girl. 
and make me short and make me small and make me have this voice that doesn't fit my body and make me make me not be a southerner but be in the south you've had yeah, that that's true so you have to so you have to take that armor with you and it's been with you a long time and you cannot make excuses or concessions for people's ignorance and i act as though it's not happening okay. and then i i make fun of it later because I, I will use them in a session. I will talk about. Did, <laughs> were you not in my session when I was asked if I was gay? And oh, how yes, I had to do yes. that? How people just summed me up because I got big hands and a deep voice and my hair was short. And, and I'm, I like girls. Is I she mean, married? that was interesting from so many perspectives. It was. I was like, why are you assuming that, one, that's an appropriate question to ask? Right, because we're at a, we're at a nutritious conference. Right. right. We're not at a gay and lesbian conference. Yeah. Pri- are you going around we're, asking other people about what they do with their heterosexual Personal life. Spouse? Absolutely. Right. So and, weird. And, you know, and, and or I are you some it. kind of homophobe to the right. extent that you can't even work with somebody Absolutely. who is gay? Why do Absolutely. you need that information? That is so at unnecessary. A at a and nutrition I conference. I don't, right. I don't, there's a lot of issues there. All of us will have so many more friendships if we just quit trying to size up everybody. You know, yeah. nobody fits in a box. Why nope. do we, we always go straight to the labels. I got to do. You know, are they married? Do they have kids? What's, are they gay? Are they straight? Are they, you know, all the public and our de- Democrat. Oh, you know, people put out that Jeremy and I were dating. <laughs> Even though you're married. He's been married all his life, all his adult life. All his life. And he got a bunch of children, a bunch of children and a beautiful wife that he adores. Yeah. So you see, but but because we can't be friends without being romantic, that's sick. That's another, yeah, I guess that's it's another twisted. one of our assumptions. That's like a Labels. cultural assumption that men and women cannot actually be friends. And that's he can't true. just like me for a, a friend. He can't just be my brother. She has to have, she's got to be attracted to him. That is so crazy to me. When we did that little meet me in Atlanta, hot Atlanta, people had us almost down the aisle. I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, we did look pretty fine in that video. Also. We oh, did. Man, I hate that I missed all of that. Is that oh. available on YouTube? Where is this? Oh, we can only hope. We can, <laughs> send, we, can, we can send it to you. I have the commercials from it. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. man. Okay, yeah, that we, sounds awesome. But, but, but you know, I, at the end of the day, I just can't care about that. And I think it's my age to Dahlia. And I think it's because I was labeled so much as a young girl. I had to grow a thick skin really quickly. And, and when someone's not nice to you or they're rude or they're dismissive, that's your opportunity then to have a life-changing moment with someone. Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to be opposite of what you think I am. I am going to meet you right where you are. And and Jeremy is a strong side. He's not going to, I'm the explosive one. I'm the, oh my God, I can't believe. He is like, it's okay. Come on. It's all right. That That's not going to mess up our day. You need a leveler in your life. Everybody needs that. Yeah. So you need someone who levels you off and levels you up. You need someone who's a comrade and you need someone who's also that person who is just a comforter. You need that confidant. You don't always need a warrior. I'm the warrior friend. I'm going to fight yes. for you. Oh, I'm going to fight for you. I'm a warrior friend, but I'm going to tell you something about this life. And this is not school nutrition based. This is life based. I've been doing this study on 
people and why we believe what we believe and how we feel like we feel in faith and all of that. And if you're walking in your purpose, there are three things in purpose. There's protection, provision, and power. And I truly believe I have those three things because I am walking in my divinely designed purpose. And I think that's why people gravitate toward me. I think that's why I have seats at tables that I should never be even in the room or in the building because I am walking in my purpose. And with that purpose comes provision and power. And I have to be very careful and a great steward over this gift. And so I'm encouraging you with this podcast, what you're doing, to make sure that people find their purpose, Mm -hmm. even within our career, even within school nutrition, even within our daily walk. What is my purpose? Why am I here? What am I divinely designed to do? What am I just built to do? And when you find that, there's a peace that comes with that. And Jeremy, I don't have to rehearse. We don't have to practice. We don't have to get together because we walk in our purpose. And he told me like tonight, so the call is going to be, I said, we're going to be talking something we're great at. I'll call you in a minute, you know, because we don't have to rehearse. We were born this way. And if we could just get that message across to people to accept who they are, love who they are, and present the full version of themselves. Because, see, we we present snippets of who we are because we're afraid someone may not be kind. We're afraid that someone may label us. We're afraid that they may judge us. Because people measure you and judge you by their shortcomings. Well, Vanessa always talks because you don't talk. Well, she's always got people around her because you never want to with anybody. Well, she just thinks she knows Vanessa loves to hear. She loves the art of conversation. See, you're measuring me by your shortcomings and that's okay because you will never ever be me because there was only one design that way. So Dahlia, the next time someone has something unkind to say about you, remember that they're measuring you by their shortcomings Mm -hmm. and their opinion of you is not the fact. The facts are who God says you are. That's the facts. And those are undisputed. Their opinion, we can argue all day. Right. Yeah. That's excellent advice, man. You guys do have that gift of lifting people up. I just feel like you're on some kind of higher vibrational level and you feel light, even when you're discussing things that are serious or maybe some people would say, oh, it's a darker, it's a heavy topic. Right, right. It doesn't feel heavy. It Mm-mm. feels like it's imbued with hope. Yes. And I mean, you can't change the truth. I mean, racism right. is a fact of life. People do get right. stuck in the labels, like you said, and refuse to notice that a lot of times people in your same racial and ethnic group will have way less in common with you than people who look nothing like you and have a gender identity. But because you stop at the labels, you end up with all these superficial friendships with people of the same complexion Mm because you have nothing in common and then you Mm -hmm. can't actually get along and you're like, why am I so lonely? Oh, because I only hang out with people from my part of the state, my part of the city, my side of the tracks who look just like me. And unfortunately we happen to have nothing in common and my future best friend is across town and they're the wrong color. Right. Absolutely. You got to reach. I will tell you, let me tell you a little story about my very first national leadership conference. 
it was at the Broadmoor, which is here in Colorado, in Colorado Springs, really nice place. And I was standing in the long Starbucks line, as they always are at a conference. And <laughs> I just <laughs> turned, I was bored, honestly. And I turned around and there was uh, two people standing behind me. I just started talking and said, well, where are you from? And they were from New Jersey. And we just, you know, we had like 10 minutes to talk, at least in line. And when I got up there, I, I bought their coffee and said, all right, CSNA is buying your coffee today and pay for their coffee. And we've been the best friends ever since. I knew nobody from New Jersey up until that moment. And so sometimes right. it's reaching out and you don't have to be an extrovert to do that. I think Vanessa and I had the benefit of doing that, being a little more extroverted, but you know, just reach out, talk to when you're at a conference or, or if you're with your own team and there's somebody that you see is kind of not really involved or not participating, go talk to them. There could right. be on their life. I had a staff member today that, you know, he just kind of grunted when I saw him and he just, I could tell he was not having a good day. Yeah. And, you know, the first thing I'll think of is, oh, well, did I, did I make him mad? Did somebody make him mad? Well, I went mm -hmm. and found him later. He has a headache. He's had a headache for two days. So, you know, wow. all the, we don't know stuff about people. And so we just have to go and be willing to give some of ourselves and really just, you know, like Vanessa said, be able to invest. And that sometimes comes at a cost. It, it comes at a cost of, I may show up at the next conference and be a hot mess and you're going to have to talk me off a ledge. Or it might, right, it might right. That, you know, I whatever. But we have to be willing to give of ourselves. And I think, Vanessa, when we taught at our last one, you know, she and I talked on the phone about our presentation. And, you know, we share, if you attended our session at ANC, we, we shared some pretty personal stuff. We did. And kind of, I think, two days before that, maybe, I, I just asked Vanessa, I said, is this too much? Are we, are we giving, you know, once that's out there, that kind of stuff, you, you can't take that back. Is this too much? Is it going to make people uncomfortable? And I think, you know, we just kind of decided that, yeah, it might be uncomfortable for some people and that's okay. You that's know, right. Maybe that's right. A little more uncomfortable. That's right. And having those difficult conversations. And so I think it really just, you know, for, for me, I've just come to a point in my life where, you know, I have a friend, I didn't, I come from a small town. I didn't know what gender neutral meant. And so I just pulled my friend Danielle aside and said, I don't understand. Help me understand. Right. Yeah. So just being that, and I, and I have to be sensitive that, you know, Danielle talked to me and we talked about that and, and she and I are great friends. And, yeah. but we talked about, you know, she'll say to me, Jeremy, you're that 40 year old white guy that in any other world, we would not be friends. Right. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. That was mean to me in college. Yes. But we're in this great world of school nutrition. And right. Right. And it's, it's uh, something we're all in together, no matter where we're at in the country. And who we are and what and we look like. That's right. And so take advantage of that because that, this that I have with Vanessa, it doesn't happen a lot as easy. Outside of this world of nutrition, it's it's a much more difficult task, and so I appreciate that that gives me an opportunity to to really learn from other cultures and other folks and other experiences I've just simply not had. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful thing. Oh, I appreciate you guys so much. Well, we I, are, I, that, we, are we your first? Are we your first guest? You're my first group or okay. pair. Oh, well, we're so excited. And excited whenever you guys get ready and you do your choir practice and your, <laughs> we can just you record and I'll tack it on. Okay. <laughs> All right. I really appreciate good. you guys coming on. I really do think you set an awesome example for other people. And I love your transparency at 
sessions, it really, to me, it feels like, but I already liked you guys right off the bat. So maybe I'm not a good uh, judge. <laughs> You're not a good gauge. Yeah. <laughs> You're biased. It, it makes me feel like, oh, we're in somebody's kitchen and you're telling me, you're sharing wisdom with me and you're giving me information that's going to help me move forward in life because it doesn't help when someone says it's all rainbows because it's not all rainbows, but it's, it's also okay. And it helps to know other people go through hard times and they continue to thrive and they continue to get stronger and stronger and they still enjoy life. Life is hard and that's also okay. So this okay. went off in a Perfect. different direction, but like you said, you guys are pros and this is exactly what it should be. We just were led here. Okay, so. Thank you so much for tuning in. I love you, Jer. I love you, brother. I miss you. I hope you love that as much as I did. I have to say that I didn't really know that I was short until Vanessa mentioned it so casually, but you learn something every day. I hope you had as much fun with this one as I did. And honestly, I think there are a ton of good takeaways here as well. Make sure you subscribe to the mailing list so you can get that summary sheet. Follow me on Instagram. It's School Nutrition RD and enjoy your new year. Next week, I won't be recording, but after that, we're going to start right up in January. I'm doing a series on intuitive eating and healthful habits that will take you through the entire year so that maybe this year you won't fall into the trap of extreme restriction, extreme dieting, and resolutions that just won't work. All right, everybody, have a great holiday season.